Well, good evening. We're glad you're with us here to worship at Broadway. Uh, let's stand as we begin our time together. We're going to start off with hymn 314, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, and then we'll go right into He is exalted and He is Lord. Let's sing together this evening. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise him. He is exalted, forever exalted, and I will praise his name. He the Lord forever his truth shall reign heaven and earth rejoice in his holy name he is exalted the king is exalted on high he is Lord he is Lord he is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. You can be seated as I invite our ushers forward. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come and worship you and uh, to study your word. Father, I pray that you're honored in our time, uh, exalted in our worship, and Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, now as we move into the time of our service where we give back a portion of what you have blessed us with, God, we pray that you would bless the gift, bless the giver, and that you would bless the, the, our tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Miss Betty. Let's stand one more time and we're going to sing hymn 149. Praise him, praise him. We'll stand and sing all three stanzas together. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Praise him ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. For our sins he suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep, and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Amen. You can be seated. to every tribe, every people, and every language. The South Asian church is small, but God is using it to bring light to communities in slums, high-rises, mountains, and beaches. We're partnering with these brothers and sisters, these co-laborers, teaching them how to evangelize their family, their friends, and neighbors, training them to make disciples of Christ, laboring alongside them in both dry and abundant harvest fields. We are seeing the book of Acts unfold anew as the church boldly proclaims the gospel, endures persecution, grows exponentially, trains new believers in the teachings of Jesus, mentors leaders, and moves out into dark places where the gospel has not yet been proclaimed. The South Asian church wants to see the kingdom of God light up its land. Our brothers and sisters want to partner with the global church to fulfill the task Christ gave his disciples before ascending to heaven. To reach South Asia's 1.7 billion people, the South Asian church needs more laborers. By God's grace, IMB missionaries have labored long and hard in this South Asian soil. We're singles, families, empty nesters, students, professionals, forgetting what is behind us and striving toward the task God has set before us here in South Asia. We are embedding ourselves in communities, listening to the needs of the local church and empowering local believers 
with solid theology and local ownership of the Great Commission. The harvest is ready, but don't let the laborers be few. God has equipped the IMB with experience, language, culture, and relationships. We invite you to partner with us in the harvest field. Church planners, students, professionals, retirees, there is a place for you here, and there's no greater cause. There's no greater calling until there's no place left. This is the missionary task. This is our task. The question is, what's your role in ushering in the kingdom of God to South Asia? That's the main uh, people group of that. It also includes Nepal. And it's interesting, that area. China is not included in South Asia. They consider that East Asia over there. So, um, but what's interesting about that is our Sherry's next door neighbors are from Nepal. And that's actually was one of Sherry's ones that she was praying for. And they are not saved. And there's two Nepalese churches here. that are Baptist churches here in our city that our association has started. One meets down at, um, oh, what was that community right there? That's now a, um, anyway, it's, uh, now it's like a big bar scene over on the western side, uh, something town. But anyway, it's over there. It meets in, a, it used to be a Baptist church that they just basically closed, so they gave it to the, our local Elkhorn Association. Now a Nepalese church meets over there with that and then there's another one that meets in uh, like a school or somewhere but anyway I share that because that region India is one of the fastest growing if not the fastest growing nation on earth and it's extremely lost nation and here in Lexington in our city the nations have come here and what's brought them here is the university they're coming here for the jobs they're coming here for the education and it's an opportunity. A lot of these folks will actually go back to their countries down the road. Some of them will, or maybe not permanently. They'll go there and they stay in touch with their families. They speak their, their native language at home, I know, uh, with that. And that's why it's important for us. God brings folks here to Lexington, to our country. So us as uh, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians, we can share the gospel with them so they are able to hear and come to know Christ. So that's a powerful video there, just seeing that our IMB, that's what Lonnie Moon, this coming Christmas season, we give to Lonnie Moon, it will go to supporting the International Mission Board with that. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 15. You want to make sure you have your um, a bulletin insert. You can stand up there and grab it. You'll want to follow along with this one here uh, in your bulletin. You know, Brother Heard, uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, Sherry, uh, Clay's Mill Baptist Church. I tell you, they are a soul-winning door. Now, who's here? Who here, your house, has been knocked on the door by Clay's Mill Baptist Church? Almost half the folks have. And I tell you, they were over there talking to the whole family of the, the, the people from Nepal yesterday at our house. I and mean, they just come on down our street about every other not every other month, once a season, they usually make a, they go past through the neighborhood. I want to tell you what they were doing. They had a younger guy, what did you say, about 30s? 20s, in his 20s, with the older guy teaching him how to do front door evangelism. Literally, they were just going along, uh, uh, teaching how to share. I went fishing, as y'all know, our great fishing expedition um, yesterday. But one of the reasons I was there is because the, our local Gideons had a meeting. It's out at Lee's Town Road, and it was part of a Gideons event. And uh, Bob Lines here in our church was there. I saw him. Richard Strange was there with his grandchildren fishing. We were fishing with them. But I kind of overheard what the speaker, and they were having one of their meetings, what they were talking about. And I was listening to what the guy was saying. And he was saying, guys, we've got to reach our city for Christ. There's Bibles we can distribute to all these lost people that need to hear the Word of God. And the story I want to paint, Clay's Mill Baptist Church, they're reaching our community. Now, you can debate whether or not door-to-door -door evangelism works, but hey, it's, I guess it's better than nothing. 
Doing nothing doesn't do anything. And the Gideons passing out Bibles. We as Broadway Baptist Church, we also want to engage Lexington with the gospel. We want to be just as active as these organizations such as Clays Mill Baptist Church and the Gideons distributing Bibles. That being said, we have an opportunity next month called Crossover Lexington. The KBC is having their annual meeting at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And on the weekend before, they have multiple different events. One of them, is, uh, um, Chris Wrights, is a big a college, big college a pep rally, big event there. But what we're connected with is they are doing a Saturday morning on November 9th, a big outreach in the communities. And they're going to all the different neighborhoods. And this is sponsored, paid for by the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And we will go out in teams of two or three. And they supply everything and, and do um, just invites. You, can, you, you go knock on the door and you have basically a package, a care package you give them. And you just invite them to church. Say, we're just in the community. We're going down in the neighborhood streets. And here's an invite. And the stuff they will put... Like when you invite them to church, you'll invite them to Broadway because they'll make in different uh, invite cards for each church that's participating. So we'll get the Broadway packets, what church you go to, and you go there and invite. I think that is fantastic outreach and evangelism. And also they're putting um, uh, the Jesus DVD in there. Do you know a lot of folks do not know who Jesus is? Or the Jesus they know is not the one found in the Bible. I say that, I know it's hard to believe, but if you go talk to an unchurched person here in our city, and then you say, who is Jesus? You will get all sorts of answers. And that's our responsibility. We want to be believers. So I want you to go ahead and mark your calendars. You'll be hearing more about this as we get closer to it. It's on Saturday, November 9th, and it's from 9.30 to noon. And you get back at... Um, Church on Clay's Mill. It's a Southern Heights Baptist Church. And the KBC, that's where they're serving lunch at there. So it's going to work out great. Uh, November 9th, the big. And children, teenagers are invited as well. Open your Bibles here. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're going to be talking about two, two different sections here. This is where changes start to happen to the apostles and the disciples. We're going through the book of Acts on Sunday night. Now... What happens here is this is when we first start to see deacons. Do you know who your deacon is? Everybody in this church has been assigned a deacon. You should know your deacon. And you also, on the back of your bulletin, there's someone called a deacon of the week, Anthony Eldridge. And his cell phone number's on there. You can call Anthony 24-7 this week and complain if you want to. That's what he's here for. I share that because we're about to see why did God create the office of deacon? This is an office created by the Lord and it has a greater purpose. Here at church, we're about teaching and preaching the word of God, but we're also about serving. One of the ways to reach people with the gospel is a lot of times, if you just say, why don't you just come and hear a sermon, come and hear a Sunday school lesson. Well, an unchurched person, a lot of times, they're not used to that. They don't even know how to sit through church. They're not used to reading the Bible. So in many ways, you almost have to serve and meet a physical need and help them out in some way before they first go and then open their, uh, open their hearts, open their mind to listening about Jesus. So that's what we're going to see right here. So we're going to go verse by verse and we're going to see what is about to happen. There's a change that's about to take place. Typically, this passage here in Acts chapter six is only read during a deacon ordination, but it's very important because for us, it reminds all of us, we have a responsibility to serve just like our IMB is sending people over to South Asia. Just like Clay's Mill Baptist Church is knocking on my neighbor's door and our door next after that. And just like the Gideons are just having meetings by a fishing pond in Scott County to talking about how they can go out and, and reach central Kentucky with the gospel. The question is, these other folks are doing stuff. What about you? How are you 
leading and winning people to the Lord. This is what we do as saved, born again believers. God expects us to be doing this. This is what earlier this year we prayed for our one, praying for one person we know who does not know Jesus to come to know the Lord. Look what happens here. Verse 1, Acts 6 1. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, that, that right there is a clue. They're increasing in number. What happens when you grow numerically? You start to have problems. There arose a complaint. And they didn't have Anthony Eldridge's phone number on the back of their bulletin. So here comes the complaint. By the Hellenistic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews are the Greek Jews. They spoke Greek. They had probably a, uh, a Greek influence in their life. They also... They were Jews just like the Hebraic Jews were, but they probably spoke Greek while the Hebraic Jews probably spoke their either Hebrew or Aramaic language. So that's what happened. So you have these two different groups of folks. And I want to tell you this, the Hellenistic Jews, these were the ones that were really turning to the gospel. They were the ones that were starting to really follow Christ. So their numbers grew even more. So you've got these, uh, you've got these two different groups here. <clears throat> there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebrew Jews that their widows were being overlooked by the daily distribution. Let's stay, we'll leave it on that Bible verse. We'll go back there verse 1 because I want to talk about this. Widow ministry is right here. The men had passed away and women lived longer than men. So what happened was the church, they didn't have social security, they didn't have 401ks. The apostles, the men in the church, the leaders in the church, the disciples, they apparently had a list of a daily distribution. This also is the reason why we begin to see what we call church membership. There was some list that the Jews, that these types of Jews, Hellenistic Jews and Hebraic Jews, they were on some list somewhere, meaning they were believers and they were part of the fellowship of Christians and that they received food. Part of the ministry was we serve food to those that are very vulnerable, that are in great need. Now, what's interesting about this is uh, this coming Saturday at our church, we have um, a widow's banquet, widow and widower's banquet. And I had a first time, Sherry, this is what somebody told me this morning. I was talking to this lady about coming to this event. And she said she's not going to come because she doesn't want a husband. I'm talking about the widow's banquet at her church on Saturday. I said, ma'am, we're not here as a matchmaker. The deacons are trying to help you meet a man at the church widow's banquet. This is a free, fun event that you just come to and have great music. It's relaxed. You'll have a great time. So even our church, our deacons, this is, why, this is where the idea and the belief that deacons are serving the widows, this is where it comes from. And you're not, you're not coming Saturday and meet a man. Now, you might meet a man, but that's not the purpose of the um, event whatsoever with that. That being said, we're going to stop right here. And I want to pull, pull out your bulletin and serve because <clears throat> this is what's happening. Because that first phrase there, the disciples were increasing in number. When things start to grow, problems arise. All of a sudden, uh, the, the, the pressure starts mounting. And a couple of things happen here. By Acts chapter 6, the church has roughly grown. If you add up all the numbers, and a lot of these were estimates because it talked about adding people daily. So we don't know exactly. But we know at Pentecost, 3,000 folks were saved. So by this point, Acts chapter 6, the church is likely at 20,000 people. It has substantially grown. This is no longer that little 120 or even the 3,000. It's 20,000 folks. So they have a membership list. And they have different groups. And probably the apostles are feeling incredibly overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed where you have, you have so much responsibility, so much stuff to do, 
that basically you think, what am I going to do? How can I get all this done? How can I be an effective Christian? How can I serve the Lord if all it is is task after task after task after task? And what was doing it was right here. This daily distribution. They had gotten in the food ministry, which is a good ministry. They were meeting needs in their community. And the, uh, the, these were women. So here's what happens when a church grows. And this is on your bulletin, sir. Number one, the pastor is less available. And that applies not just to me, but your, your pastoral staff, the different ministers, they're less available. You say, how are they less available? They're less available because there's more people wanting more different things. And there's more responsibility. There's more things to do. There's more ministries. One of the dangers of a church, and Broadway could easily fall into this category. Brother Hurd and I have talked about this. You pull out our bulletin. Event after event after event after event after event after event after event. What happens when you do that? When you have an event after an event after an event? You won't even know lost people in our city anymore. You won't even have time to even know your neighbors. More or less the people you work with. Because you've got to go to a church event. You have to go to the next thing. And it gets to be, it can easily be, events after event after event. It pulls you away from knowing those who need the gospel the most. That's the problem with church events. Whereas another model, that's what we call the attractional church. That's when we say, we invite folks, you need to come to Broadway, come to our 3.3 acre campus, and we will tell you about Jesus. The other approach, say, Pastor, what's the other approach of that? The other approach is called the missional approach. The missional approach is where, and some churches do this, where we say, we're not going to plan a million and one events here at our church. Because we want you to know your community. We want you to be involved in things going on in Lexington for the purpose of building friendships and getting to know people so you can lead them to Christ. It's intentional, missional relationships. Because what happens is, most people who come to know the Lord, and most folks that come to an invite to church, they come because a friend invited them. But what happens at church is you end up with event after event after event, and you don't get to know anybody outside the church. How I many you have all the friends within the church, and they're all saved, but out there, the circle is getting smaller and smaller. So you almost have to look. We are right now, we are an attractional church. It's come to this building. Come here. We'll tell you about Jesus. And we'll help your family, your children, whatever else you need. Missional church. You, we come here on Sundays and Wednesdays. But the rest of the week, we're out in our city. We're building relationships and getting to know folks. I'm just curious, if you had to vote, we'll have an election, if you had to vote, would you want to be part of an attractional church or a missional church? Who would vote for attractional church? They got to vote. That's what I grew up in. Anybody vote for a missional church? Good. Nine P, twin people voted, so that is. Nobody voted for, nobody voted for the church we are, so... But do do y'all see the difference what we're talking about? That's what happens when it says they're increasing in number, Broadway. The demands are getting greater. The pressure is building. That's what happens when uh, new folks start to come. So here's what happens. Going back to your bulletin, sir. The pastor staff, they're just less available. People begin feeling overlooked. All of a sudden you think, well, he didn't call. I don't hear of him anymore. Who is this guy? And all of a sudden people start to feel left behind. Many people associate a large church with an unfaithful church. But here at the early church, by Acts chapter 6, this was just a Christian church. And they just had a list, basically, 
of probably 20,000 folks, a lot of different names, a lot of different communities, and they were probably one big church and just working there with the apostles. So now there's, God's going to allow them to make a decision to start raising up deacons and new people. Now look at this. Look at the contrast. What does a gospel-centered church, what does gospel-centered growth look like? There's no gimmicks. No gimmicks to come. You're coming for Jesus. When it's all said and done, everything at this church, when you pull back the layers, you should see the Lord. You should say, this is a Bible-based church. I'm growing in my faith and I'm serving and knowing the scriptures better. Knowing that, the apostles weren't handing out gift bags. They weren't. There was no, they, they weren't just doing great with, uh, for an example, uh, last month or now two months ago, we had a secret shopper come to our church. Chris Wright found the guy, and this is what he does. He came here, I believe it was August 18th. He came to Broadway Baptist Church, snuck in both services. I don't know, who, I have no clue who the man was. I think I know who he was. I, I was suspicious I met him at the door going out. I think he sat over in that area somewhere. I don't know where he's at at 9 o'clock. But I think at 1109, I spoke to him there. He, he came with his wife. Then he went away and he wrote about a four or five page report and gave it to us two weeks later. And we went over it. And in that report, he said, he said some, it always started out very positive. It was very positive. He says, you know, he pulled up in the parking lot, parked in the guest parking, our secret shopper with his wife. And he was greeted at the door by our deacons. He walked up and a friendly person handed him a bulletin. They came in and they sat down and it stopped there. Once they got in the pews, the, 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 the greeting ended. And then when they lit, what was amazing is the couple, when they left, people were thanking them and commending them and speaking nice to them as they were walking to their car. They even said he was getting in his car and some lady, we don't know who, was talking to him, talking about how, how much she loved our church, which was great. I guess she saw this person in the guest parking, so I need to go say something positive. Or hopefully they, by, na by nature, say something positive. But the biggest strike against Broadway Baptist Church in his report. The facilities were clean. Things were marked off on the website. We had people at the doors. The biggest strike was once I sat down and nobody, nobody spoke to me more. People come to church because they feel welcome. One of the best things you can do when you come to this church is you can be a host for your section. For example, if you're sitting over there, since nobody's sitting over there, if you sit there and you see a new face in your area, maybe before or after a service or during the service even, you lean over, you acknowledge they're there. And <clears throat> this is what we do. We're not here to hand out gift bags. People don't come to church for prizes. People want to hear about Jesus. They want it, but they have to feel welcome. That's so important. Number C, we see here. Well, Gospel-centered church. What does it look like? There's no watered-down messages, meaning the gospel is being boldly proclaimed and not being glossed over in, in different areas. And I think our church, that's one of our strengths. I hope it's our strength that we're not preaching and teaching watered-down messages. So let's keep going here and see what's going to happen. So we've got these church growth problems that's occurring. All right, verse 2. The 12 summoned the whole company. Remember who is the 12? This is the 12 disciples, apostles. They summoned the whole company of disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Now, Peter wasn't insulting waiting on tables and serving. What he was saying, he's saying, guys, let's go back to verse 2 there. He's saying, guys, this is important. But what's most important is that we are constantly, boldly going about teaching and proclaiming the gospel. If you're giving up the preaching of the word of God and all you're doing is focusing on waiting on tables, meaning you're just serving, 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 
That's what we call the social gospel. That is when you have gone down a road where you're doing ministry without Jesus. You're doing ministry without the word. And that can be positive for a little while, but it does not last. Because ultimately what happens is people will become dependent on what you're giving them. But what's, what they need most is Jesus and they're not getting that. Meeting needs in our community is extremely important. And there will be times, you know, one time where you just go and meet that need and it means, makes a big blessing to that person. But if you're constantly doing God, social gospel ministry and there's no gospels being taught or preached, you are just essentially doing what the government can do. And that Peter recognized that. So when we run, a, when you look at an event here at our church, in our list of events, you have to say, okay, is Jesus being taught here? Is the gospel being proclaimed? Is, is, is the Lord being up, praised in this event? Because otherwise, the apostles, disciples, they didn't want anything to do with it. If, the, if preaching and teaching the Bible is not included, it's not for them. Keep going here. Verse 3. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom who we can appoint to this duty. This is seven men or the seven first deacons. So the apostles recognized that they needed help. This happened to Moses. Remember when Moses there and Jethro, his father-in-law, came along and he saw Moses serving as the judge among all the people. He had every little complaint in person come to him and say, and Jethro said, Moses, you're wearing yourself out. From sun, sun up to sun down, all you're doing is you're dealing with every dinky little problem. You need to appoint some judges and you just let them handle this small stuff and very big questions come to you. That's what we call delegation. And here we see seven men. It started out. First seven deacons are selected because... Look at, the, look, at their, look at the qualifications for them. Good reputation. Meaning people need to know these folks. They had to be full of the Holy Spirit. Meaning they need to have a living, active relationship with Jesus. And they needed to be wise. Meaning they didn't need silly, silliness going on. There had to be wisdom in what they said. So these are our first, first seven deacons here. Verse 4, it says... But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Do you know these two things are what we do? We devote ourselves to prayer. We pray to the Lord. We go to him in heaven. And we think I'm going to make sure that this word here, it advances. Prayer and preaching is what they were going to devote themselves to. You want a pastor that is devoted. You want staff members that are devoted to these two things. When your ministry, when your ministerial staff have become event planners and we're planning this stuff, something's wrong. And I speak the truth about that because God doesn't call people to the ministry to plan events. God can raise up deacons and other leaders in our church to plan events. When it comes down to it, when there's a calling upon the Lord on a man or a woman's life, they are called to do the ministry of the word, meaning to preach and teach the Bible and then also to be devoted to prayer. So let's just pick on someone other than me. Zach Bauer down there, right there. He's planning a trip for 48 people, as I shared at the 1109 service, to go to, not Baton Rouge, Pigeon Forge, Baton Rouge. That's in Louisiana. That's the, going to the retreat center. If Zach is doing and putting all of his effort, all his energies, 
all his time in planning that Strength to Stand conference. Listen, Broadway, this is so important to church. This is what takes a church, makes it a breakaway church, and you all can help with this. This is so important. If he's putting his energy and time in planning this event, what that does is that takes away from him. It might be a great event, and it might be good to get a cabin, do whatever you need to do, or get, get the leadership on, to get by all the supplies, get the chaperones, get the who's sleeping with who list. If he's having to devote all of his time towards doing that, what it's taking away from is his prayer life and his teaching and preaching and building relationships with teenagers. Do you all see this? So what you do is someone comes along saying, some of you, a deacon comes along and says, young man, let me help you plan this event. So it frees you up. I'll take care of all this administrative stuff. And there's a ton of it on these events. So that you can focus on this. This is what the apostles and the disciples recognize. We, as a church, have to guard you hold your staff accountable. I hold them accountable. I hold myself accountable. That this has to be a priority. A preacher or a minister that's always available is not worth anything when he is available. Because he's dealing with every little issue. And then what happens? You come into church and you don't see and feel and experience the power and the presence of God. Because your pastor and your staff member were planning events. That is what's going on here. Deacons were called and raised up by the Lord for the purpose of keeping the focus on the Word of God and on prayer. Once you give these two things, the ministry of the church just goes downhills. What's most important is teaching and preaching from this book. We can do event planning all day long. There's a million and one events going on. God honors His, His Word. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 5. Look what happened. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That was His, that was his um, uh, standard, I guess, for being chosen. His credentials, which is outstanding. Philip, Prochorus, Nicard, Timian, Parnius, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Now, it's interesting. This guy here, Nicholas, if you're in the Revelation study, if you've been studying with me on Wednesday nights for that, we know Nicholas based on uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, two of the churches were struggling with there with the, what they called the Nicolodians, Nicolaitans, who were folks there. Nicolodians, a TV channel. Nicolaitans that came along and they were teaching false doctrine. So apparently this guy here, one out of seven, Brother Heard, ended up teaching he was a heretic. <laughs> Meaning his teaching ended up leading people astray. You always have one, I guess, in there. Even Jesus had Judas. So you always get one guy in the group that he's just not on board. So they're teaching. So we can genuinely say the first heresy ever started in a church came from a deacon. And that's actually true. It came from Nicholas. He started the first heresy in a church. Right there. We know that from the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And that's who that gentleman is there. So these were the seven men. And what's also the first martyr. First martyr in the Bible came from a deacon. It was Stephen. He's going to die in the next chapter. Keep going here. Verse 6. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So what happened is... Have you ever been to a ministry or a deacon ordination where folks come forward and you pray and you lay your hands on their head or their shoulders and you're giving them to the Lord? When I was ordained as a, uh, uh, to the gospel ministry as a minister at First Baptist Church in New Orleans, I had all the men come over right there. I think Sherry was up there too. They were praying over us. That's where that verse, that idea comes from. They're laying their hands on us, praying for us. And what happens is what you're doing when you're doing that, 
when a missionary goes to the mission field, they have a commissioning service. You're sending this person. You're acknowledging this person is going to be set apart for the Lord's work. I know a person, a family member, that when school starts, they actually spend time praying over their children in August when school starts. Because they're saying, you're going into the schools and you're going there as a missionary. You're going into college. You're going to University of Kentucky or Center College. We're going to pray for you. Moms, dad, grandparents, pray for them to have a year of not just of learning, but of great gospel witness. That's where this idea comes from. You're giving your, you're giving your year to the Lord. Do you know, think about it. A lot of times, we only pray over people when they're being ordained as a deacon or when they're being ordained as a pastor. Or maybe they're going to, to South Asia as a missionary. And that's it. This is being neglected. Do you know of someone that maybe you, we need to lay their hands on them and pray for them so that when they go to work, when they go to school, they can be a bold witness among the, their neighborhood. This is a mindset change. This is what a missional mindset looks like. So you come in and you've got folks that are lifting up to the Father for you to be a witness for Him. That's how these seven men came about. Keep going here. Verse 7. It says, So the word of God spread. This was, that means God affirmed this plan. They, God is honoring this. It continued to grow. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. When you, make, when you multiply leaders... When you invest in other people, the numbers continue to grow. And a large group of priests, and now Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. So we see all sorts of folks are coming to know the Lord. God bless their time. Pull out your bulletin here, your bulletin. So we're going to quickly go through this right here. This is the fill in the blank. Here are the five transitions that must occur during growth. We should expect problems. Problems will come when a church grows. It puts pressure and tension on different people. So what, what would these problems look like? Here's what they are. Number one, there's a lack of leaders. Constantly, we're in need of raising up folks that can serve. Many of you say, well, I'm not a leader. A leader is someone who's serving. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So you influence other people. There's a lack of money. More people mean more demands. So you're, there's constantly a need for finding funding for that. And not only that, there's a lack of space. And what that means is, we just you're running out of room. These three things always happen in growth. When something is increasing in numbers, you're going to be short on volunteers and on leaders. You're going to be broke all the time. There's no money and we're out of space. That is what's going on. And that's, that will, will happen. Number, uh, next bullet point. It goes on to say, we must protect biblical priorities. The two priorities we saw in the passage were prayer and the ministry of the word. We protect those. The ministry of word is you want to come to a church where the Bible is being preached and taught. You want to be in a Sunday school class. You want to be in a discipleship group where they're boldly proclaiming the scriptures. Can you imagine coming to church and you're not even hearing the word of God? I would feel like I didn't go to church. Yet that is, uh, that is certainly happening. Next bullet point, number three. We must see problems as opportunities. You take a problem here, and their problem was, was these women, these widows, these Hellenistic widows were being overlooked. So how can you take something that is a problem and make an opportunity? The opportunity is we need more leaders. Let's appoint seven men who are going to be deacons who are going to serve and meet this need. We must accept the fact that we won't know everyone. Do you feel like you know everyone at this church? Do you feel like... Maybe you don't know them, but you recognize their face. You say, I think I know them. I sort of know who they are. But that's how it's going to be. Growth brings new faces. We must not allow church structure to hinder growth. And that can absolutely ha happen. And do you know how it happens at Broadway? I'm going to tell you. 
We just talked about it. Event after event after event after event. What that does, the people are tired, they're drained, and they don't even know what's most important. Do you know what's most important at this church? The most important event is actually coming here on Sunday morning and on Sunday night and seeing the Word of God. We sing to Him, we proclaim Him, we offer an invitation to get saved. Do you know at no other, no other event, although I think Zach offers an invitation, no other ministry here that happens do we offer an invitation for folks to respond and receive Jesus. When things come in front of our morning and our evening worship service, that means we have lost our biblical priorities. When you come here to a worship service, there should be an anticipation that God is going to move. You should be seeing new faces that the Lord has brought. People you've been praying for and you've been inviting to come. You should be eagerly expe expecting them to be here. This is what it means by biblical priorities. This, though, the invitation, looking forward to God to move in people's life and they respond to what Jesus is doing. There is nothing more that the devil wants to do than to make events at a church more important and programs at church more important than worship. Do you remember the first commandment? Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. There's no other gods before me. Meaning we come to church first and foremost to worship the Lord. If something gets in front of that, you're basically falling into the trap that it happened right here in Acts chapter 6. They were focused on the daily distribution. And finally, Peter and his wisdom, they spoke up and said, wait a minute, stop. We can't do this anymore. We're losing what's most important. You remember, why do we worship on Sunday? You know Sunday's most important day of the week in the church. Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday. We give our Sundays to God. Jesus came out of the grave on Sunday. Every Sunday we come to remember a resurrected Jesus. So if you skip Sunday and you don't come to church on Sunday, you don't worship on Sunday, and you go to another event, you're basically replacing what Christ views as most important with something else. All right. You know, right after I talk, make fun of all our events here, I, then I sit there and promote them. So it's like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Jesus is building his church. We are part of it. We have to see God is growing our church. God is blessing Broadway Baptist Church. And what we have to say is say, God, I want to be a part of you doing something great. I promise if we are focused on the preaching and teaching of the word of God, and we are focused in devoting ourselves to prayer, God blesses the church. He grows it. He honors it. Great things. The priority was on prayer and preaching of the words. So look here at the last thing. This is your fill in the blank. You don't have to tell me. You tell the Lord. What are Broadway's priorities? Right there. What is the most important thing to us? And I tell you, you want to know What's most important? I can tell you how you can evaluate it. When you look at the church events and the different things going on, what do you get most excited about? If you're not getting most excited about the worship service and the worship of our Lord and coming as the body of Christ to honor, to sing about, and to study the scriptures, your priorities are out of order. Jesus is calling us to reorganize our priorities around prayer and the preaching of the word. From that, everything else flows. Last thing we're going to see here. Last few verses here. I'll read this quickly. Verse 8. We're introduced now to a man named Stephen, who is the first deacon that's ever named. It says here, Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. 
Opposition arose. And that happens. When you're doing God's work, opposition arises. However, from some members of the Freedmen's Synagogue, composed of both Synthrians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilia and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. So basically, a debate broke out. Different Jewish groups here are coming to Stephen, and they're arguing with him. But they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by which by whom he was speaking. That's very important. Notice the qualifications for being a deacon we saw back in uh, earlier in the first few verses. One there was they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Another they were filled with wisdom and they had a good reputation. Stephen met those qualifications, so he had this wisdom. So when people would come and attack his message of the gospel, he was able to quote scripture and say, Thus saith the Lord. That's what he was saying. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin. This is the same Sanhedrin that executed Jesus. And had two chapters earlier, John and Peter on trial. They presented false witnesses who said, This man never stops speaking against the holy place and the law. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses that it handed down to us. Notice the, notice the charge. It's change. It said, we, we don't like this guy because he's introducing change. And these aren't our customs. It's different. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So they're sitting there putting this man on trial, accusing him of changing their customs of Moses and the law. And they're staring at him. And it's Stephen's glowing his face. And I want to tell you why that happened. When Moses came down the mountain in Exodus 32, it says here, remember their charge back in verse 11, blasphemous words against Moses. Who in the Old Testament came down from Mount Sinai after they saw the idol that Aaron had made from the people's jewelry and out jumped this bull all of a sudden and they start worshiping this idol. Moses gets mad, throws down the Ten Commandments, goes back up the mountain and comes back down and it said his face was glowing. He had a glow over his face because he had been in the presence of God. They were making fun of Moses. Don't miss this. They're making fun of Moses, whose face was glowing. He's the last guy in his face that glowed. Yet, Stephen's face is glowing. Like, do you see the, do you see the irony in this? Two people's face glue, they glowed in the Bible. Moses, and they're making fun of him for accusing him of, of teaching against Moses. And now Stephen, ironically, is glowing. God is showing to the Sanhedrin. He's saying... He's not making fun of Moses. I'm affirming this deacon's message. He has a message that in the same message that Moses had. It's the message that God has given Stephen. We're going to have our invitation here in a minute. From this message here, I want you to walk away with two important things. Number one, God wants you to serve. He raised up seven people. Every one of us here should have a ministry at Broadway Baptist Church. We should be involved in doing things. If you see people doing things that they should not be doing, and you recognize that, that means you take the initiative to help. And number two, we protect the ministry of prayer and the Word of God. Once you lose that as a church, once the worship service on Sundays becomes another event at this church, you've lost it. You've lost priority. Because the events, what you get most excited about is shows where your priorities are at. What you're fired up and most thrilled to go to most, if it's not the worship service, got the greatest commandment, Jesus says, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The word worship. Other places here at this church aren't holding worship services. But on Sundays we do. You want to guard 
your priorities with the Lord. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that this invitation we have tonight, it help us refocus of our priorities of worship on you. Lord, we want to be a church. We want to be a body. We want to be folks here that have an absolute focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. Everything else is secondary. Lord, make our ministerial staff, make the, me as the pastor, give me a passion for prayer and the word of God. Allow my words to speak truth into other folks' life. Speak through what I say. Use what I say. Lord, we want to be a church that walks out of here filled with your spirit. Make us like Stephen. Put a glow on our face. Give us a wisdom, a knowledge of the Scriptures. God, raise up men and women who can serve here at our church. So that it's not, so that the growth continues. Don't allow our structure to hinder what we're doing. And to hinder your word. Lord, we pray this invitation. If there's someone here that needs to respond... Lord, we never want to pass by an opportunity of responding to the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service with an invitation.